Well, good morning. Great to have you with us this morning. Good morning to those online as well. Great to have you with us. So good to be in church this morning. Who's glad they came to church this morning? If you got dragged along, I'm sorry, uh, but you're here, and you have to you have to deal with it, I suppose, until this guy gets off the stage. Um, this morning, we are going to take a bit of a pause from John. I know that we've been enjoying John, but I just wanted to, I really felt to speak from Romans 14 and a little bit of 15 this morning. Um, over the past, I don't know, few weeks, months, um, I've had emails come in or people share their opinions with me on various subjects, but particularly coming up with the, the referendum that's coming up. Uh, different opinions, why Christians should vote no, why Christians should vote yes, uh, and all, everything in between. Uh, and so this morning is not about uh, the voice or the referendum or telling you how to vote, so don't... People are just like, oh my gosh, what are we in for? Um, but rather some principles and some framework for us as Christians to think about when there are contentious issues or things that are culturally divisive, how as Christians we should respond, how we should think, uh, and how we should move ahead, because uh, the gospel calls for unity. Jesus calls us uh, his family. Uh, so how do we get along even when we have differences of opinion? So we're going to have a little look at Romans 14. Maybe you'll find this helpful. Maybe you'll um, forget about it as soon as you walk out and never think about it again. Totally fine as well. But um, let's jump in anyway. So I'm going to read uh, Romans 14. I'm going to skip some bits because it's um, it'll take too long and some of Romans 15 as well. It's going to be on the screen. Joanne's done a great job getting this all ready because I've thrown this on her this morning uh, without any warning, so well done. Romans 14, starting at verse 1, it says this, Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. We're not we're not here to criticise if you're a vegetarian, and that's not what this is about. I know that some of your minds just went straight there. It's like, ha, <laughs> proof. Um, different reason, different context. Don't read into Scripture what's not there. Okay, one, verse three. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. One person judges one day to be more important than another day. My birthday is more important than your birthday. No, it's not talking about that either. Something else. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honour of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat. And he gives thanks to God. Let's jump down to verse 19. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from faith, and everything that is not from faith is sin. Now we who are strong have 
an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbour for his own good and to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults, those who, uh, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through the endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ has also welcomed you to the glory of God. Lord God, we just thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you that it's able to teach us, and we pray that you would help us to hear your voice. Uh, God, the things that um, you want us to hear, um, your truth, your encouragement, your challenge, God, we pray that they would be the things that stand out loud and clear for all of us this morning. We honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. In our house, I've got two very competitive young fellas uh, who will make anything a competition uh, to the point where sometimes they'll want me to judge who wins uh, on something that you can't judge who's a winner, like uh, particularly if it's like dancing or singing or something creative, it's like who wins? It's like, well, I don't know, do you win in art? Do you, I mean, I know that we have competitions now, singing competitions, but... I mean, they're all good, aren't they? I mean, they're not all good, but the ones that... <laughs> when you get to the point where you're deciding who's winning, I mean, they're all good. They're all good singers. Uh, they're all good dancers. Uh, and so some things... Um, if it's a race, sure. If I can be bothered paying attention to a thousand races, I'll be able to tell them who wins each one. But when it comes to some more disputed matters, uh, it's not always easy to tell who wins. Uh, but we all want to win, don't we? We all want to, and maybe you think, oh, I don't want to win, I'm not competitive, but we all want to be right. And when I say we win, I, I mean we all want to be right in our convictions, our beliefs, and what we think about certain things. We want to be right, and we want others to agree with what we think. But what happens when people don't? What happens when maybe we're wrong, or maybe someone else is wrong? How are we to treat each other? I think in God's kingdom, winning and being right are less important. They're not not important, but they're less important than the strength that comes through humility and unity. They're less important. What we see here in Romans 14 and what we see in our culture today is a bit of a clash of cultures. Everybody has a culture. You might think, I don't have much of a culture. You have a culture. Your family has a culture. Um, your workplace has a culture. Yeah. Your upbringing has given you a bit of a culture on what you think about certain things and why you think about certain things. And it's naive and ignorant of any of us to think that none of us have a culture. We all carry a culture in us. We all have things that have shaped our beliefs and continue to shape our beliefs that, that shape how we approach God's word and, and what we think about God's word. So much of what we believe and why we believe it is formed by our cultures. But the gospel brings truth and transformation to every culture. There's not one culture that's like the Christian culture and then everyone is trying to catch up. And sometimes as, 
especially white Westerners, we think that that's the case sometimes, that we've got it worked out and every other culture needs to sort of come in line with how we think about things. In Romans uh, and in different parts of Scripture, there's this, sometimes a clash between the Jews and the Gentiles and how they learn and how they approach different things that uh, Jesus has taught or the Gospels have taught. Uh, and what Paul is saying here is that you can learn from each other. Jews can learn from Gentiles. Um, particularly, Jews could learn from Gentiles uh, the fact that the law has been fulfilled, that there is now freedom in Christ from the rigidness, rigidness of the Old Testament ceremonial laws and, and things like that. The Jews can take on board what the Gentiles approach, how the Gentiles approach the grace of Jesus because they have come from an outsider in. And so all, all the things that they've learnt in their culture, none of that's been ceremonial laws and purification and all this. But the Jews still carry that. And so the Jews can learn from the Gentiles, oh, there's freedom in Christ now. But on the other hand, Gentiles can learn from the Jews, say, about the holiness of God um, or the the supremacy of God, that no longer are gods or, or idols that they've once bound down to, pagan gods, they don't hold any power. They are not real. They are not true gods. And so the God of creation is the one true God. He alone has power. Our culture influences so much of what we believe and what we think. And so maybe one thing that I want you to, to think about this morning is this idea that we are to be a student of the other more than being a teacher of the other. Be a student of the other more than being a teacher of the other. I think this idea through Romans 14 and 15 particularly just is what Paul is saying. Is He's saying, lean in and understand what someone is saying and why they're, why they're believing what they're believing before going in and just ridiculing them or criticizing them or telling them what you believe. You have a culture, I have a culture, and it's good of us to lean in to each other's and to learn from each other. Uh, like I said, our Western culture sometimes thinks the way we do things is, and think things is just how it's done, and, and rather than just thinking, it's just our way of thinking. Dominant cultures uh, often don't see their own culture. We don't often see our own culture because we're the dominant culture. Uh, if you're a white, um, middle-class Australian person, um, grown up and, and born in Australia, you've probably, you, you don't realise the dominance of your culture. It's sort of like a fish in water. You're, what water? Um, but you chuck a, I don't know, and something that's a koala in water, and that'll tell you what water's like. Um, if they could speak, because they they're not used to it. Dominant cultures often don't see their culture, and we're surrounded by it. But we need each other. We need different cultures. We need different points of view. We need different families, different experiences to better understand Jesus, to better understand the gospel. I want to uh, read you this quote. Maybe I've read this before, but uh, it's, a, it's a great thought. Uh, this is a book called... Um, Centre Church by Timothy Keller, and in it he's talking about um, a whole lot of different things to do with church. But he's talking about another book inside this book um, by C.S. Lewis called Four Loves. And he's talking about these, um, these close friendships between uh, these three different guys. And, um, 
and how each of these friends brings out another aspect of somebody else. Anyway, let me read this. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this in his book. He says, In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, one of the friends is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. Whatever that means. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth. We possess each friend not less but more as the number of those with whom we share him increases. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven. For every soul, seeing him in her own way, communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That says an old author is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying holy, holy, holy to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall all have. I don't know if you caught the gist of that quote, but the idea being uh, each person, what you see of Jesus is different to what I see of Jesus and I can learn more of Jesus by what you show me of how you see him. And so we all need each other and, and more so as we uh, span different cultures and different upbringings and different experiences. It's easy for us to hang out and be friends with those that are of the same culture, that think the same, have the same upbringing. It takes less work, it's much easier. But the problem is we miss out. We all miss out. We never see all the glories of Jesus. Our view is hindered. It's missing dimensions. And so Paul here is talking about learning from each other and he doesn't talk about right and wrong. Notice that. What does he talk about? He talks about strong and weak. Strong and weak. Not right and wrong, but strong and weak. Weakness is not wrong. Notice Paul is saying that. He's not saying to be weak is sinful. He's just saying it's weakness. There's perhaps somewhere to grow, but it's not wrong. Again, in our black and white Western culture, we think we want things right, wrong. Tell me what's right, tell me what's wrong. Don't give me any of this like weak, strong stuff, Brad, that's sort of like both. That's weird. But this is, <laughs> this is where we need to learn from another culture. This is where we need to learn and think a different way. Weakness is not wrong, but there perhaps is a better way, Paul is saying. And in this passage, there is more caution, more criticism, if you like, to the strong than there is to the weak. I want you to notice that. There is more caution. There is more to say. Paul says more to the strong than he does to the weak person. So the weakness Paul is talking about here is not understanding the fullness of the gospel. The weak person is maybe legalistic or narrow-minded um, in the way they're thinking about food, um, alcohol, and special days, and we'll talk more about them in a moment. But the strong, um, Paul is saying, they, they are broad-minded people. They are not bound to certain uh, rigidness in their, in their legalistic ways, but both are criticised. The weak, they can grow, and they can find more freedom in Christ. More, there's more freedom in Jesus than you'll know. 
There's more freedom in what you can eat and how you can celebrate different days than you could ever know. But the strong, you are dealing with the weak with contempt. You are the problem when you think you are superior to somebody else. And broad-minded people are very often the problem when it comes to disagreements and disputes. Let me ask you this. If you despise bigots, if you despise racists, if you despise judgmental people, despise Pharisee-type people, what does that make you? The problem is strong people um, despise those who are weak. So are they really strong? You see, strong people are not just uh, correct theologically. It's, it's, Paul is saying here, to be strong is not just to have the right truth or the right understanding of something. Strong or strength is really in the humility in which you carry it and the love in which you carry it and the way you promote peace in which you carry it. They lean in more than uh, they lean in to learn more than they lean in to teach. You're not complete because you're broad-minded. You're not better because you're broad-minded. You're complete because of Jesus and Jesus alone. And so that's why you can have humility to lean in to learn. So what's Paul talking about here in this verse and in these verses? And then we'll um, think about some takeaways. So Paul's talking about. Uh, a few different things, and he's addressing primarily things that Scripture is permissive of or silent on. So we'll talk about what he's not talking about in a minute, so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But he's talking about food. You know, there's weak people and there's strong people. Some people are eating whatever they want, and some people are eating only... They're not eating any meats, um, because they're the Jewish people. So Paul writing to uh, a Gentile audience at with Romans, he's saying that there's some people that are still holding on to their culture and not wanting to eat meats uh, because they're not ceremonially clean, okay? And so not because they're vegetarian or because of any other sort of weird reason like that. Not if you're a vegetarian, it's weird. <laughs> Just dug myself a hole there, didn't I? I apologize. Um, because of ceremonial regulations. So, so much to do with food and meats in the Old Testament. We don't have time to go into it, but there was lots of things you could eat, you couldn't touch, had to go through different processes, and, uh, and they, were all, they were all to do with being cleaned or cleansed before entering into the presence of God. And, and the weakness Paul is saying in, in this is that um, I know I'm accepted by Jesus, but just to be safe, I'm not going to eat anything that's unclean. And Paul is saying that's... That's weak. That's weak faith because in Jesus, you have everything you need to be clean. You are completely cleansed. Nothing, no meat is going to make you unclean. You are saved alone by Jesus. You don't need to add to what Jesus is doing or what he has done. You don't need to add to the gospel. And um, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 8. There's another passage about eating, un, uh, eating meat and not eating meat, but it's, for, it's written to a Jewish audience and it's for a different reason. And so the Gentiles aren't eating, if I'm remembering this right, the Gentiles aren't eating the meat because it's been sacrificed to different pagan gods. And so they think, oh no, they can't go into the market and buy the meats that have been sacrificed to pagan gods because those pagan gods hold, will hold power over them. And, and Paul is saying, no, there's no power in a pagan god. And so you can see that the Gentile culture, has the way they've been brought up to think about things, has caused them a different reason to not eat meat than the Jews. 
I don't know if you're following that. That was a bit confusing. Anyway, Paul is saying you can eat whatever you like because Jesus makes you clean, not the food you eat. He mentions alcohol like whatever you drink. Uh, Another example here, drinking alcohol. Scriptures are quite clear that alcohol such as wine is permissible. There's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. The, The only thing that's restricted is drunkenness. Uh, and so there's freedom, Paul is saying. Uh, there's special days that are, you don't need to hold special days like uh, of the festivals. They don't, if you want to celebrate them all, great, but you don't need to. Every day is special and there's freedom in Christ. There are no commands in the New Testament to celebrate some days as better or holier than others. There's no command to even celebrate Easter or Christmas or Old Testament Jewish festivals. There is, you can celebrate them if you want, Paul is saying, but you don't have to celebrate them, and so don't hold that over someone. And so in our time, in our culture, we might think, oh, they're not really problems for us, are they? We don't really have debates about celebrating special Jewish festivals. Maybe you do, I don't. Um, but maybe it might be parenting styles. Maybe it might be what school you send your kids to. Maybe it might be um, how you dress or um, how we worship or all these different things. And Paul is saying, don't get caught up in disputing these things against each other, but rather lean in to learn, lean in to learn and understand what's going on. So Paul's not saying that you can just believe whatever you like about everything and anything, and it's okay, and people just have to put up with it. He's not saying whatever you want to believe, that's okay. He's not saying that anything and everything is okay. That's a little bit of our society at the moment in Australia. Is this tolerance that... And there's some good, there's some good elements to this tolerance that is being promoted, um, such as having respect for everyone and not hating. It's good. But where it, maybe it goes too far is where our culture says, whatever you want to believe is okay. Believe in God? Fine. If that works for you, that's good. Uh, believe in that moral? That's Okay. But maybe ironically and hypocritically, the only thing we can't be tolerant of is for someone to say that something is wrong and to say that there are absolutes. And by saying there's no absolutes, we are speaking, of course, absolutely. It's a, it's a bad argument to have. And so Paul is not preaching a gospel of tolerance. He's not talking about clear commands of righteousness. Tolerance says, I won't tell you what to think or believe and you don't tell me what to think or believe. Paul's not saying that. What Paul is saying, let's have a look at some of these verses. In Romans 15, 1, he's saying, Now we who are strong, so he puts himself in the strong camp. He's obviously a humble guy, knows, what he's, knows who he is. A um, bit like in the Old Testament when it's, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Moses says, the most humble man of all. And of course, he's, he's the author and he's talking about himself as the most humble man of all. Anyway, Paul says, now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. So go towards each other. Don't just live your way in spite of the other just because, all right, I've got this worked out. I'm a strong person. I understand this truth. And so I'm just going to keep living my way because I'm right. Now, Paul is saying, bear with the weaknesses. Don't just live in spite of them, but make an allowance, make a compromise 
for the sake of love. In 14 and, verses 14 and 15 of Romans 14, it says this, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing in, is unclean in itself. Still to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy by what you eat, um, by what you eat, someone for whom Christ died. We don't just get to say, ah, well, we're all different, we all think different, and we, so we can't get along. No, we work hard to understand. We speak up about our conviction, but at the same time, we make allowance for each other and sacrifice for each other. And so we don't just put our differences aside and say, well, they're, they're just different. We make allowance. We do what we can to um, walk according to love. Messing with my pages up here. All right, some application points. I know I'm talking too long. Four, four things I want us to, to apply, to think about. First is this, is how we can grow in strength, is promote peace. Promote peace. So I think this is a picture of heaven. All is one. You think you read Revelation, you read um, any of the, the pictures of what, um, what we're heading towards, what Jesus is, has got a vision of for his church and for his family. It's this. All is one. Every tribe, every tongue reconciled in unity. It's everyone singing together with one voice. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the way of the kingdom. So do what you can to promote peace, to promote this kingdom way. You know, um, Christianity uh, has this about it um, in built into it, is that it is, it is a way of life that promotes peace, that brings diversity together. Uh, I was looking, I think it's um, Pew Research did a study back in 2012 and they were looking at all the different um, major religions of the world. And they put out this, uh, fine, as you can look it up, but uh, Hindus are uh, found in one part of Asia, like 99% of them are found in one part of Asia. Uh, Buddhists, uh, again, some 97% of them found in another part of Southeast, Southeast Asia. Uh, Muslims, uh, some 70 or 80% found in, uh, in Asia. But Christians are found in like 25% in Asia, 25% in Africa, 25% in Europe, 25%, don't do my maths right, but, you know, there's not five, 25%, but you get the point. That every culture has, there's not one dominant culture that uh, is Christian. It's equally spread across the globe, through every culture. And I think, isn't that an amazing thing? That the faith, that what Jesus preaches is, it's already coming to pass. It's already working itself out, even in our broken world. It's the gospel way. It's God's vision coming to pass. The most culturally diverse um, faith that there is of any religion. So promote peace. Work towards the kingdom way. The other thing Paul continues to say here is to build up or to encourage Along with promoting peace, be someone who seeks to build another up, not to be right. Work harder at building up uh, than trying to be right in a conversation. When people spend time with you, are they walking away encouraged? 
loving Jesus and the gospel more or feeling like they aren't good enough. Promote peace and build up. This is the way Jesus did it. Romans 15, what did Paul say? He said, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And in verse 7, therefore welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you to the glory of God. Promote peace, build up. Third one is this, live by example. Words are great and should be used, but a lived example is better. Show people how to live more than telling people how to live. Paul's um, encouragement to those who are strong is not to tell tell the weak that they're weak, tell the weak that they're weak. No, it's live an example, build up, promote love, promote peace. Live with grace, live with this abundance of love, live the way that Jesus did. And the fourth one is this, stay humble and lean into the Holy Spirit. Consider there are areas of your faith and your life that fall into the weak category. Assume your culture or your understanding of life is not complete. None of us have a complete understanding of the gospel. Our culture is not the dominant one in terms of when it comes to the gospel. We're not more right than others. We've equally got enough, uh, something to learn. So stay humble and lean into what the Holy Spirit is teaching you through his word, or maybe even from someone who thinks differently to you. This is what Paul's encouragement to us is, is to grow in faith, to grow in strength. He doesn't want us to grow in just in our understanding, but to grow in our humility. God is not impressed or pleased by your law-keeping, but he's impressed by your faith. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, Now without faith, it's impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He's impressed and pleased by your faith in the one who kept the law perfectly when you couldn't or when you can't. So work hard at growing in faith. Work hard at leaning into the Spirit and staying humble. It's what Jesus would want for all of us. It's what Jesus would want for his church. A church that can be so diverse in culture, in opinion, that can lean in and love each other well. I mean, that's my heart for this church is that we can, and I know, I've had emails and messages and thoughts from lots of different people from lots of different camps. But isn't it great that we can lean in and learn from each other? And you might think, oh, I don't know if I want to be surrounded by people who think differently to me. I can guarantee you are. (laughs) Guarantee it. Probably think differently to me. But let's lean in and learn from each other. Let's hold to the truths of the gospel. Let's hold truth, uh, hold, hold strong to what the gospel teaches about faith and salvation. And, but let's lean in. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak. I think there's a verse about that. Go read James. 
And let's be a shiny example of what a community should look like. A glimpse, maybe, of what heaven is like. Diverse, yet united around Jesus. Can we stand and pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love towards us. And God, you are the God of all creation. You love us all. And you hold us all together. Your spirit brings about unity and love. And God, we pray that you would stir that in us again. God, that you would help us to lean in to each other to learn from each other, to have grace towards each other, to make compromise and sacrifice for each other. God, that we would be a church that promotes peace and that builds each other up and that keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, as we do that, that people would see a kind of community that is centred around love centered around your gospel and God they would be attracted to it and they would be welcomed in God we thank you that you welcomed us in when we were so far from you so opposed to you you died on the cross for us in the middle of our sin God help us never to forget that Help us to walk in love and walk in faith towards you together. Pray this in Jesus' name.